Hello and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximising Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognise, enhance and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximising property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogunfaber, and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximising property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. Welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking about residential bridging finance, residential development finance, and I'm hoping to touch very briefly on crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is not going to be relevant to most people, and that is why I really don't want to spend very much time on it. And besides, there's a lot of information about crowdfunding out there, um, and people can easily get hold of it. So let's start. What is bridging finance? Bridging finance is an extremely useful tool to any ambitious property developer. Bridging finance can fund the gap between buying and making a profit. Bridging finance is, it's quite weird in that it will allow you to fund purchases which without bridging finance you wouldn't be able to actually fund. Some examples of what you can use bridging finance for are buying a property which is so straightforward, auction properties, otherwise unmortgageable properties so those would be um, properties which other lenders wouldn't want say for example it's got um, structural defects or if it's a buy to let mortgage it doesn't have a kitchen or it doesn't have a bathroom it's not going to be the sort of property that can be moved into immediately or if you need to pay a deposit on a new purchase and you are looking to sell a property in order to do that but you've not sold the property and you don't want to miss out on the one that you are looking to buy then you might be looking to bridge also with below market value properties you might be able to buy these and not pay a deposit so when people talk about 100% bridging finance this is one of the examples that they have in mind there are two types of bridging finance deals that you can do without putting any money down one of them is if where you're buying is below market value and the second one is where you have additional security that you can put down so the lender is satisfied that if they have to repossess they won't be losing any money 
Another type of use for bridging finance is if you have a refurbishment project. So a lot of lenders will not lend on properties that are in a very poor repair state. So you may find that your only option is to bridge refurbish the property and then go and remortgage. Another example is where there is a low lease on a property. So traditional lenders won't lend on a, a leasehold property where the lease is for less than 65 years. You could buy a property with only 40 years left on the lease through bridging finance. And then what you do is you extend the lease and then you can refinance um, normally. Another very good use for bridging loans is for planning gain. So if you find a property which you think you can enhance through developing it but you need planning permission in order to do so bridging finance may well be the best option open to you unless you're buying for cash and the reason for this is that if you don't already have the planning permission in place development finance will not be an option for you because that funding usually has what is called a mobilization clause and that is for usually about a month possibly two months and that means that it will be a condition of the finance that you start your works within that period of time now if you don't have planning permission in place you obviously will not be able to fulfil that condition. In fact, you won't get an offer for development finance if you don't already have planning in place and you need it. So those are some of the examples of where bridging can come in quite handy. As you can see, they are quite extensive, but you need to be aware of some fundamental things about bridging finance. First of all, the interest rates. Now, these can vary from, say, 0.43% per month to 1.43% per month. So that could be an extra 12% for some people. And interest rates depend on how much you are borrowing, how much you are putting down, what your loan to value is on your project. So let's look at a purchase of £100,000. If you have £40,000 to put into the purchase, that will leave you with a funding gap of £60,000. Now, with ordinary mortgages, this would be sufficient for you to say you would like a 60% loan to value mortgage, meaning that you're going to be putting down 40% of the purchase price being £40,000 and you will be borrowing £60,000. It doesn't quite work like that with bridging. So where you need £60,000, you may well end up borrowing £70,000 and that will become clearer in a minute. So your £40,000 that you have to put into the project may well result in you taking out a 70% loan to value bridging loan. 
it's also extremely important that you know how long you are going to be borrowing the money for. Now, most bridging products will go from 12 months to 24 months. Very, very difficult to get anything beyond 24 months. Bridges will say to you, you can have their funding for a month or two or three, but be very careful in going for a short term because it could end up costing you a lot of money in the future. Your exit plan is just so important. You need to be able to pay back the bridging finance when you agree to pay it back. So how are you going to do that? Now, a lot of people will have an exit plan of either selling the property in question or refinancing with another lender. Some people even refinance with another bridger, but it's not a good thing to do. What a lot of people will do, even if their exit plan is to sell, is they will have a fallback position of mortgaging. So in the last episode, I spoke about where sometimes people will mortgage a property using a standard variable rate mortgage with no early repayment charges and then sell the property after a short while, even though that is not what that particular product is for. In practice, a lot of people will use that route when they're coming off bridging because the standard variable rate mortgage is going to be a lot, lot cheaper than a bridging loan. It's so important to know what your exit route is. Now, if you don't pay the money back when you've agreed to pay it back, technically, you've defaulted on that particular loan. That will then adversely affect your credit rating if you're not very careful. And also some lenders will then trigger a penalty clause. Now, it could well be that you agreed a rate with them at 0.75 per month, but once you default on the loan, they could apply a penalty of 3% per month and not only from the date of default but going back to the very day that you took out the loan. So you honestly do not want to mess about with exit routes with bridging financiers. Having said, bridging is such a useful tool. Now there are two types of bridging that you can get where you don't put any money down. So spoken about the loan to value where normally they would only want to be lending up to a maximum of 70% loan to value. A lot of bridges though will not go beyond 65%. Most of them are more comfortable around the 50% mark. However, you can get 100% bridging finance in two circumstances. One is where you are buying a below market value property. So if you are buying a property that is worth £100,000, but you have agreed to buy the property for £60,000, it may well be that the bridger will be happy to finance all of the £60,000 that you have agreed to pay 
in order to purchase this property because it would still fall within their headline 70% loan to value for that particular property even though you've agreed to buy it for £60,000. The second scenario where you might not have to pay any money towards your purchase is where you can offer additional security. So again, let's look at our example where you're buying for £100,000. Um, the bridger is only going to look to give you £60,000. You need another £40,000. So what they will do is they will take security over another property. So this is how it kind of like tends to work in practice though, is that they give you two loans, one for the one that you're buying, and then they give you a loan on the additional security in order to get you the £100,000 that you actually need. Although people call it 100% bridging, it isn't quite 100% bridging, it is two lots of bridging to enable you to buy the one property and obviously you'll give security for each of those properties that the bridger is looking to lend on. One other thing that people need to be aware of with bridging finance is that the interest is normally retained. So if you remember I said that even where you only need £60,000 to complete your purchase, you may well end up having to borrow more than £60,000 from the bridger. And the reason for this is that the bridger will normally retain the interest. Now, this is quite crafty of them because essentially you're paying interest on top of the interest and you're not getting the benefit of that money. So let's have a look at the example that I have been using of a £100,000 purchase. You've got £40,000 to put down, you need a £60,000 loan. What you will find is if you are being charged a 1% interest rate, you will over a period of 12 months have to pay interest of £7,200 on that particular loan. Now the bridger, if the interest is retained, will be lending you £67,800. Now that £67,800, as you can see, is quite close to £70,000, which would be a 70% loan to value. And some bridgers, are flexible in that they'll say because you only really need £60,000 to buy the place they will see it as a 60% loan to value but most of them won't and in this particular example they will see it as a 67 point whatever um, percent loan to value. Now the additional monies also come in with the fees that you have to pay. So with bridging, usually there's a 1% arrangement fee, which is £600 on this example. There is a 1% exit fee, which is £600 on this example. Some bridges will charge a 2% arrangement fee, which would have been £1,200. 
and the fees can really go on. The interest rate that you pay doesn't necessarily reflect how good a deal you are getting because if the arrangement fees and the exit fees are quite high then overall you may well be paying more with a lower monthly interest rate than you are paying with somebody else that is charging you a little bit more per month. You don't always though have to agree for the lender to retain the interest but they will only agree for you to service the interest if you can show that you have a very, very, very strong financial background. So for example, in one bridging scenario that I was involved um, with, no interest was retained because the amount of money showing in one of the bank accounts submitted to the bridger exceeded three, four years worth of interest. So they were quite happy not to retain the interest, which meant that I could borrow the amount that I needed at the right loan to value percentage, because the higher your loan to value, the higher the interest that you are charged. So you definitely want to come as low as you can on your loan to value. There are some bridges out there that offer something called a property hunting bridge, or maybe it's a property hunter bridge, something or other like that. And the way it works is you are pre-approved for a certain amount of money, usually over a period of up to three years. So that just gives you the option once you've got the facility to go out there and just to keep on turning it over. So let's say you've got a facility for half a million pounds because the minimum amount is usually half a million pounds and the maximum is that I'm aware of is a million pounds. So let's say you've got the half a million pound one you've got that money, you go to an auction, you buy a property for, let's say, £200,000. You can take out this £200,000 from the facility that you've got and you can use it to buy that property. However, the minute you draw down on it, you will be paying interest on the amount that you've drawn down and once you finish with that particular property and you sell it, you've got the money back. Even if you pay it into the account of the bridger, you will carry on paying interest on that money for the period that you have agreed. So this can be a very expensive way of bridging, but it allows people who have access to good property deals to always be able to take up those offers because as you are completing on one property deal, you are buying your next one, you're not hanging around. And then as you're finishing with that one, the other, the first one has sold, you're using that money. So you're literally turning that money over quite rapidly. But that's not the situation for most people. So this really would not be ideal for most people. And also, unless you are extremely experienced, you will not be able to get it. But it is an option for maybe people to think of using 
in the future. Another type of bridging product is development finance, where the bridger will lend you money to buy the property and also fund the development of that property. They will only do this though, where the gross development value so that is the value of the property once you have done all the works shows a profit of at least 30% on your costs. One of the most important things with development finance is that you need to have very detailed cost projections because your cost projections will be linked to the stage payments that the funder will advance to you. So the way that it works is you project your costs over the period of the term that you say you need the money for. So if you've gone for 24 months, you will have costs in months one, two, three, four, blah, blah, until you get to 24. You will have to have the money for month one because only when you've finished what you've said you will be doing in month one can you apply to the funder to get that money back. Now, they will then send a surveyor around to make sure that you have actually done the works and only when that surveyor signs off on that particular month stroke stage will you then get the money but obviously in the meantime you are having to pay your builders you're having to pay all the fees and for the necessary works etc etc so it's extremely important that your cost projections and your works projections are accurate otherwise you're going to be in difficulty because the surveyor will come round at a cost of probably £500 plus VAT per visit. You might also have a monitoring surveyor who will come round every month and that's going to be another £500 plus VAT per month. All of these fees will normally be set out in the agreement that you reach with the funder development finance can be expensive for this reason because every month the funder is sending somebody over to have a look at what you're doing even though often it's not really necessary to have two people come out at a charge of a thousand pounds plus VAT per month which is obviously adding on to the costs of your project. A nightmare scenario would be where the surveyor comes out and says you've not done the works and they don't release the monies that you need in order to fund your costs for month two. What a lot of people do is they will have enough money in the bank to fund the works for three months or have an agreement with their team to not pay them all of the monies that are due to the team during that period so that any unforeseen um, hiccups don't actually hold the project up altogether. Now, some bridges will also go into a joint venture with developers you could have a joint venture development finance agreement and that is where you literally split the profits 50 50 
some brokers will say they can get you a 60-40, very unlikely. Um, I think 50-50 usually is pretty good. And what happens is the funder pays all of the costs and you do the works, you arrange it, you do what you normally do. And when you exit through a sale, they will get 50% of the profits. These are pretty hard to come by and they will only be um, open to very experienced developers. The other unusual thing about joint venture development finance is that the property in question is bought by a company which is owned by the finance company. But your um, role in this is secured through a guarantee that the funder will give. So you know that you will get your money. Um, you're not going to be squeezed out or pushed out without any payment for the works that you have been doing. And I'll just do a quick recap. So for bridging, remember your interest rates. The, the more the deposit you put down, the lower the interest rate you are going to be charged. Interest rates are charged on a monthly basis. You want to make sure that your lender doesn't have any early repayment um, penalties and you want the term to be as long as possible. Now, the term being as long as possible is more of a reality for people who are servicing the interest and not paying it on a retained um, basis. Your exit route has to be absolutely spot on. And lastly, although Bridges will say, yes, we can complete this within two weeks or three weeks, based on experience, allow six weeks. Also be aware of the bridges right to penalise you. And they do this even during the uh, legal process. So if the bridges solicitor is not happy with something, even though your solicitor might eventually satisfy the bridges solicitor through indemnity insurance, some bridges will increase the interest rate that you'd previously agreed. So you might have gone in thinking I'm paying 0.75 per month and by the time you complete the deal you're actually paying 1% per month. It's not very good of them but it does happen. It's just worth being aware of it. So just lastly, crowdfunding. So there are lots of crowdfunding sites and the way in which they work is developers or landlords or people looking for funding could go to the um, platform, the crowdfunding platform. They apply for finance. They give as much detail as possible about the project that they are looking to finance. And this is then put onto the platform and other people, investors who have invested on or in those particular sites for sometimes as little as a thousand pounds per person can then say, yes, we're interested in that particular project. And you can get, if enough people are interested, then you may well be able to get your funding that way. Now, if you think about it, 
crowdfunding is not a way to buy a property because you don't know when you are going to be funded. There's just too much uncertainty and your seller is not going to hang around waiting to see whether or not you can get crowdfunding that way. Thank you for joining me today and I hope that at the very least you have found the talk thought-provoking. There will be some bonus scenes being released over the next few weeks, so please do come back. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe. In any event, please do rate and review the episode because it would be great to read your feedback. Thank you very much and hopefully see you next month.